by the way. And uh, some of the most beautiful revelation by the Holy Spirit came to me about our Father and about our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it's, it's absolutely amazing when you listen to the Spirit of God show you the beauty of God and the glory of Christ while you yet on earth. And it's so fantastic when the children of God, have you ever wondered what it was like if you woke up every morning and you saw God's glory in the cloud. Every morning for 40 years of your life, you saw that. And, and, and every night before you went to bed, you knew the pillar cloud of fire was there, and that's God. Right, right, right there with you. Every night for 40 years. And you did not have to go in labor for your food. And you didn't have to labor for your water. Otherwise, you didn't have to dig wells. And that must have been something. And then into the future, you see that God, God was just so amazing in his glory as he, as he revealed his glory to the nation of Israel out in that desert. Now, I lived in a desert for months, and, and I know how harsh they can be. But yet, your creator, the creator of the universe is right there with you. You're not in that harsh desert alone. And, and uh, I think about that. But then imagine those people of God had that wonderful blessing of having God so close as their provider, as their banner, other words, their protection, as their um, absolute father, right there, so up close and personal. But then God did something so wonderful and amazing 1,500 years later with that same nation Instead of being distanced in a cloud and in a pillar of fire, God said, I'm going to come even closer than that. Mm -hmm. You know how he, how he did that? He sent, his son. he sent his son. And Jesus came up close and personal. They never thought that they can actually touch the hand of God and live uh, or see his face and talk to him and hear his voice. As John would later write in 1 John, he said, now we, this is what we have seen with our own eyes and heard with our own ears and touched with our own hands. Now that's close. Okay? Uh, and Jesus, who would ever thought that God would look so absolutely like one of us? And to everyone's surprise, the rest of the nations didn't know that. Only the nation of Israel in Having been in that desert, having God for 40 years that close, and then to have him again as the son for 33 years, they thought he was just a carpenter.
a carpenter's son. And then we look at that and we look at these different periods and say, wow, God was there and now God is up close here. But you know what Jesus in a sense said to his disciples? He said, but the yet, he said, but the best is yet to come. He said, it will be to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't come back, he said, if I don't go back, the comforter will not come. And when we think about that, here's, here's, the, here's the advantage. Israel looked at God from a distance. They saw the pillar cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. The apostles touched God up close and they hurt him and they walked with him and they slept with him and were even in danger with him. Right? But then when Pentecost came, when the Lord came down in the Spirit, Okay, when the Holy Spirit came and Father and Lord Jesus are back in heaven. Do you know what really happened that day? There's a, there's a distinct difference, and you got to get this. This is so good. Here's that difference. God was here. Now, God is closer. How close can God get than Jesus, one may ask? Keep going. Oh, but closer. And how close was that? He said, in you. So wherever you go, you're never without my presence. And, and if the Spirit was just showing me this this morning. I, I know this. I read it thousands of times. I've studied it thousands of times. I've preached it thousands of times, taught it. But it's something when you get that fresh anointing on it. Okay? God distance. Don't come close to the mountain. But I'm still with you. And they sat at his feet as he taught the Sermon on the Mount. Yes? He in the flesh was limited as a man. He came as a man and he said, you know what? I limit. As, he, as Paul would later write in Philippians 2, starting in verse 6 there, he said that he emptied himself. Otherwise, he was not omnipresent as he would normally be. And he restricted himself to the works of a man, but yet fully God. And then, but when he went back to heaven, because remember now, Israel was God's model nation on earth. So the other nations couldn't have that privilege, that blessing of being up close and personal with God right then, could they? Because the nations didn't even know. This time, and Jesus was restricted as a man. He could not be everywhere at the same time. But the Holy Spirit is where? Inside. But where? In Come on. Yeah, in us. But where? Where? Geographically, where? Oh, somebody listening now. He's everywhere at the same time. Mm -hmm. Because if he wasn't, how could folks in Africa get saved? Mm -hmm. Why folks in the United States are saved? Or over in China? Yeah. Or in South America? or even in Russia or in Alaska at the same time. They are feeling the same spirit and the same work of the spirit is going on in those places as they're going on here and in Israel. You go, whoa, he's no longer limited of what he's doing. He's the all-knowing, all-seeing, all-everywhere God. And what Revelation tells you and I, Thank you. That he's the seven spirits of God that is before the throne of God, meaning that he's omnipresent everywhere at the same time. In you. 
and me and your sisters and brothers that you can't even speak their language or even understand their culture. Or even somehow, how some of them dress. You go, you can't dress like that. And go, we've been doing it all our lives from generation to generation. And they have the same spirit in them as you have in you. Too bad that some of us, all we think about is just Western culturalization. And that's how church is supposed to be. You know, white building with a steeple. And you dress this way and you go. No, from culture to culture, God meet them as they are. And the Holy Ghost is right there signifying, come here. Here's the gospel truth that you need to know so you can make an informed decision. The gospel is the reality of Jesus Christ in word. Did you get that? The gospel is the reality of Jesus Christ in word. And the Spirit of God takes that word from nation to nation to nation so that people can make an informed decision to follow Christ. Why? Because the greatest love there is has come down to man. And that's why you're gathered here this evening. Because you want to continue to make that informed decision to be with Christ forever. So, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And what the beauty about it is, this informed decision this gospel of the truth that is the reality of Christ says this. People want to know how nations can change, how nations can be transformed. Nations are trans transformed and changed when you and I take the gospel of Christ, the gospel of truth, the gospel of reality, the gospel of change to the nations. And by the Holy Ghost, those nations receive that. And they submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and they're changed. Communities are changed. Villages are changed. Households are changed. And individuals are changed. Are you all getting this? Yes. And that's what caused people on the outside who were once alienated from God because of sin are now joined to God in Christ as his sons and daughters. So how did God do that? Jesus. Jesus. And so, as you sit here today, as we come to this last chapter in this letter to the Corinthian church, a church by standard didn't know how to live before God had a lot of issues, a lot of moral issues, a lot of spiritual uh, immaturity, shall we say. And a church in which we learn a whole lot from. And now Paul is bringing them to a climax. A climax in which says, now you're no longer babies in Christ. It's now time to grow up. It's now time to not make mistakes anymore as you've been making. God has pulled you out of the culture that you, let me correct that. God has shifted your behavior and modified it in the culture in which you live. 
So he is taking you from being demon worshipers, false gods worshiper, committing every kind of act of sin to now being holy. And a culture which says you can't live like that, you can't serve one God, you ought to have many gods. Because that's what was going on in current. And that the behavior was such that you had to do these things in order to, to appease the gods, to make them happy. Okay? Here, you will learn to live under a new standard. And that standard is God's. By his son Jesus, set forth only by the Holy Spirit. And this one man is writing this standard called the Word of God to this church that didn't know. Because they were in a culture that where they brought all the practices, all the everyday standard of living, all the behaviors of living from that culture that was alienated from God, they brought those practices, those lifestyles into this new thing called the church because they didn't know any better. And so the Holy Spirit being gracious, remember that, being merciful, remember that, and being patient with them, remember that. Because every time God birthed a new son and a new daughter here, we must remember that the Corinthian church was God's baby. And they had to be taught how to be mature adults in Christ. And so is every other letter that the Apostle Paul wrote under anointing of the Holy Spirit that these churches were not birthed grown mature Christians from heaven. They were birthed as young, immature infants in Christ. And they had to be taught. So we have to learn how to separate a new a new Christian, a new child of God, maybe adult by man's standard in the body. So, oh, well, that person knows better, but absolutely it's ignorant and immature in the things of God. From the beginning of chapter 1 in the book of 1 Corinthians, as we know it, to the last chapter, chapter 16, we see a progression that takes place. A progression in which Young saints making huge mistakes, thinking that the way that they're living is okay with God because no one has taught them differently. Okay? And some of these folks who are behaving this way, I'm going to flash something on you. This is your age. 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 My age. And we, when I say we, the church as a whole, back in that day, was still in its infant stage. As a whole, I mean back in Israel also, the church as a whole on earth is what? Brand new. And so folks still don't know how to walk with the Lord, walk with the Spirit. What is the parallelism with that? than with that of the children of Israel in the wilderness. Forty years they wandered in the wilderness. So God said those who are 20 years old and older were going to die out. 
because of the hardness of their heart. They refuse to be developed. They refuse to be matured by God because the signs and wonders in which God did in the wilderness, okay, with all those nations that they fought against, God did not give them the victory over Israel. The signs that he did in Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, okay, the water out of rock. By the way, did you know water came out of the rock more than once? Are you aware of that? Twice. Well, you've been studying. Good girl. So water came out of a rock more than twice to show them that this was not just a natural thing that were taking place. This is a God thing. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Did any of you go out in the front yard this morning and pick up manna? No. Did anybody wait? It's six o'clock in the evening now. Did anybody go and gather quail? No. So if you was in a place that was barren, barren of water, barren of food, and these things happen, and water coming out of a rock, and then the glory of God is above you, shouldn't that be sending volumes to you? Should that be teaching you about the one that's in the clouds mm -hmm. that making all this happen? The one that's in the pillar of fire by night. And so Israel, this is happening. So they had to be taught. Unfortunately, 40 years is a long time. And then there's Paul. He's writing to this young church. And every, every church critic wants to throw darts at this young church. Because it's the first one that's highlighted in Scripture. Okay? They, they want to throw, throw rocks and, and stones at this young church. They said, man, I don't want to be like them Corinthians. Uh, uh, excuse me? Let's back up and see if you was born a mature Christian when God recreated you, when he rebirthed you. Let's see if, in fact, you came into this world as a new spiritual being while yet in your body, fully with the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, and the understanding of God in Christ. I don't know of any. Even the Apostle Paul had to be separated and had to be, he stayed in Arabia three years. Three years even before he went down to Jerusalem and consulted with the apostles as a man of God teaching the word of God. Why? Because the Lord was doing something with him. He had had knowledge of the scriptures, but he didn't know Jesus. So the Lord had to take and marry up what he had been taught as a child growing up and as a young man in the scriptures. Marry that up with being who he is. Paul, all of this that you've been taught, that's me. So that he would know. Now, the Corinthian church, as we close out this letter in chapter 16, we see now that, that there's, a, there's a great parallelism there between Israel old in the wilderness and the young church. Okay? However, before we go into prayer, I need to tell you about an intermediate portion here that took place. And that was that time with Jesus. The three and a half years with our Lord on earth. Okay? What happened during those three and a half years? He 
was trying to shift Israel as a whole to understand that everything that had been written for the last 2,000 years was about him, and he was there to fulfill it so that they could grow up and be mature sons and daughters of God. That was the whole reason. And as he was teaching them, they were to understand that, hey, even though you know these things and that you want to live for God as I teach you, yet there's a standard that God has set forth that you're still not able to meet. And that's why I'm here. I'm here to eradicate that wrath that is stored up for you because no matter how perfectly you can live, it's not good enough for God. There's a sin nature that has to be dealt with. Not only a sin nature, everybody, but there's a sin behavior, a sin act that had to be dealt with because of Adam. And that's what brought forth the wrath of God upon mankind. That still had to be dealt with. And Israel did not want to see that because even John the Baptist in his rebuke of the Pharisees, the temple police and all them that came down to spy out on him while he was baptizing, he said this. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 3, Matthew made it very, very plain about John the Baptist's sermon to those people. He said, don't think because you're Abraham's children that you're going to be saved. In other words, that you got an automatic ticket into heaven, into the kingdom. He said, because Abraham being Abraham's bloodline, Abraham's descendant, is not good enough. Why? What do you mean? You need to come yourself with fruits of repentance. You need to tell God that you've sinned. You need to acknowledge that God is holy and that there's a day of accountability coming. And guess what? God has already put forth an act of redemption for you. And there's one who's standing among you that I'm not even worthy to loosen the scraps on his shoes. So Israel at that moment, they didn't want to hear from John the Baptist. They didn't want to hear from Jesus. And now they saw the cross. They saw the cross. And it was in that moment of redemption that the leaders of Israel hardened their hearts even more. Because now they were not following the spirit of God. They were following the spirit of Satan. When they, when they cried out, crucify him, they meant that. They truly meant that. It wasn't until after Jesus' resurrection and his ascension back to heaven that some of those priests, under the teaching of the Holy Spirit by the apostles, as you see in the book of Acts, gave their lives to Jesus. And these men, in spite of the opposition, the confrontation, in spite of the attacks on their lives, on their families, continue to press forward with the gospel of truth, the gospel of reality. And that's what you got to get. This is not an illusion that you're dealing with, that you're learning, that you're studying, that you're sharing. This is a gospel of reality that changes people's lives. And it's the greatest thing a man or woman can take in. I don't care what moral turpitude that you've been experiencing. 
The spirit of the living God by the gospel is still able to change men and women and boys and girls' lives. And I don't care how degenerate that life may have been, Jesus Christ is still able to save. And as you become saved, as you become sons and daughters of God, as a heavenly scribe has written your name in the Lamb's book of life, there's still maturity that has to take place. And it's easy to call out other people's shortcoming. I can be a critic all day long. I can line your, your, your life up to the Word of God, and I can slam you all day long, okay? But God did not send us here to be a judge in that respect. He sent us here to help you turn to the living Christ, follow His living Word, that is the living reality, and help that person or help those persons change. Let there be, you heard me say it last week, let there be a paradigm shift of the way of thinking. That has to happen. Children has to understand that eventually mom and dad, even though we powder the butt or say, go stand in the corner or give me some soap to wash your mouth out because your mouth is filthy right now. The child eventually began to learn. Okay. And the behavior began to be modified or shaped into the desires of the parents. And hopefully the same desires as society. And hopefully society is the same as the Word of God. Okay? Well, that's what Jesus does from heaven by way of the Holy Spirit through his teachers. That's why this thing is called the fivefold ministry. And Paul describes that in his letter to the uh, church in Ephesus in chapter 4, starting at verse 11 here. And he's saying he appointed some as what? Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers and evangelists, okay? As you go down that list, and it tells you the purpose of it, he says, for the equipment of the saints, so that you can grow up to be what? Mature or complete. The word, the Greek word that's used there is, is it described both. Being complete, although you have everything you need, and being a mature person in Christ. You can be a mature person in Christ and be 19 years old, or 17 years old, as well as 80 years old, or 60 or 50. You plug in the number, you can still be an absolute mature person in Christ if you allow the Spirit of God to teach you. What happens, what you see here, spiritual growth becomes stagnated when people put in their spirit that they don't want to learn anymore. And it's very easy to happen when you plateau, when you get to that point where you say, hmm, I think I know what I need to know. I know the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And so I don't need to go in fellowship. I don't need to do this. Uh, what you just told God in Christ, I don't need to be your disciple anymore. Because the word disciple means lifelong student. That means you're a follower. You're a member. You emulate the life of Christ. As the Spirit continues to show you every day. And when you give up on that, that's when all kinds of things begin to happen in your life. And at that point, believe it or not, you subject yourself to also all kinds of demonic manifestations. And whether it could be harassing you continuously, or even at times getting in your mind. And it's, that's, that's really, really bad. And so what we're about to see in the church in Corinth as we get ready to close out this book, this first letter that Paul writes to them, 
Please see yourself there. Please see yourself in chapter 1 that one of the sisters in Christ sat down and penned a letter to Paul and said, these are my observations about what's going on in the church here. And the Apostle Paul is responding to that letter. And it really had to be something else because that's a very long letter. Very detailed. Heavily saturated with the Old Testament to let the Jewish audience know you should have known these things when it comes to the Word of God. But when it comes to Christ, you're still an infant. But this is how you can grow. This is how you can progress. Okay? The Lord saved me over 32 years ago. I'm still learning. I still get blown away. I mean, I'm going, whoa, you what? <laughs> Look at that. You remember when I told you all about the on the third day, the first fruits? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I was actually in the scripture searching for that day? I was actually, it's just coming a crazy thought in my mind. I was actually looking, when did God create the wind? So I, I like little, little thoughts like that. When did he create the wind? Because Jesus talks about the wind in John chapter 3. And we look at it and say, you know, his, those who are born again are like the wind. You know, the spirit in them. And it blows, and nobody knows where it's going or coming. And, and it triggered a thought on me. Hmm. And I was watching the wind blowing the trees and going, when did God create the wind? I don't recall him ever mentioning it. So I go and I study it, item by item, line by line, and but don't see it. But then when, and I'm also using the Jewish Oxford Bible tool. The language is a whole lot different than our English. And I'm going, and it points out about the first fruits. God gave the first fruits to the earth on the third day. The creation. Jesus, the first fruit from the dead. On what day? Third. Third day. I go, oh! Go back and it points, it gives a cross-reference to Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And I read that cross-reference and go, whoa! Hosea actually spoke about the resurrection. And I didn't even know it. That one missed me. I mean, out of all the references I've seen over the years, that one just escaped me. I'm going, whoa, what a revelation from the Holy Spirit. And I'm going, man, look at God. Now I'm sitting at Jesus' feet as a student again, you know. That's what discipleship means. To be a disciple means you're always at his feet learning by the Holy Spirit. And you never become too sophisticated for God, nor do you become too mundane for God. It's not business as usual with God, with you and me. It never is. And notice we haven't even opened up the scriptures yet. Uh, that's just a warm-up. It's 641. Y'all ready for the next hour? Ready to have Bible study? And so uh, we're in the season now where God wants his children more than ever to make a sacrifice. And here's that sacrifice. Are you ready for it? And we're going to get ready to go to the Lord in prayer. The sacrifice itself. Put yourself on the altar and die. Die to self. Be through with yourself forever. And be alive in Christ 
forever. Die to self, your ways, your way of thinking, your way of doing things. And allow God's spirit to move you to serve him in ways that you never thought you could serve him. And draw near to Christ in ways in which you never thought you could draw near to him. And listen to his spirit. Even if you're taking care of dialysis patient, when the spirit says, do, and you do. And no one else knows you're doing it but him. And if the spirit tells you to sell out everything and give it to the poor, don't be concerned what your neighbor is going to say. But be Abraham and say, where are we going, Lord? And they say, I'll show you. Even if it takes 25 years. I'll show you. So be willing to make that sacrifice right now. Not tomorrow. Not tonight. But today. What are you willing to do for the kingdom of God right now? Because Christ is ready to birth a church that the world has never seen. A body of committed believers that's willing to go beyond their personal best and their personal sacrifice for him. And he's going to show the world through this body of believers. And when I mean by that, no, they're not brand new Christians. Some will be. But he's talking about pulling those who are already in the body and helping you get to that place where you would say what the prophet Isaiah said, and, and we read it about in chapter 6 of Isaiah. He, you remember when the Trinity says, who shall we send? Who will go for us? And he says, here I am, Lord. Send me. <laughs> That's the commitment Jesus is looking for. I, I didn't get that until the other day when my wife said something. I got smart with her, and shame on me. But the Spirit got me later on away from her. And it says, you have got to be willing to go when I say go. And do when I say do. Because to be Christ-like is to be that way. Let me give you a quick reminder. Jesus standing before the Jerusalem crowd. And they're haggling with him. They're going back and forth. Not haggling as arguing over merchandise. But over spiritual things. And he says to this Jerusalem crowd. Particularly to the leaders that were in that crowd. He said. My father and I are working. My father is working, and so am I. You all remember reading that somewhere along the line? And then he goes on and says, whatever my, I hear my father saying, that's what I say. And whatever I see my father do, say it again, Miss Leonard, that's what I what? I do. That is so elementary that we miss it. 
But it is absolutely what Christ requires because God required it of him. <coughs> what does that mean? Put on your spiritual ears so that you can hear him talking and put on your spiritual hands so you can do the work that you see him doing. And whatever that is, do it. Because when you submit to Christ that way, then the Corinthian church, you will be that Corinthian church that goes from the infant stage to the mature stage. Because now he's getting ready to take them to the point where they're going to have to look on the outside of themselves. Because there's another part of the body of Christ that's hurting back in Jerusalem. They're having difficult times meeting in meets. They need someone to help them with food. Okay? And so he's going to talk to them about a thing called the collection in this chapter. This is a church that grew up to the Lord birth out of pagan society. Are now going to have to help the place where the gospel was birthed. Where the church was birthed. Isn't that something? Never know how God's going to use you. But you got to be willing to get to this point. Have we had Bible study yet? <laughs> God is awesome, isn't he? And so it was important that you get this prelude to where we're going today by the Holy Ghost. It's important that you get this at 16 years old and at 12 years old, 19 and 100. Okay? <laughs> it was a cheap shot. Y'all have to know it. <laughs> I'm coming. And so, I want you to do something today in the spirit. I want you now to understand Psalms 2 as you pray. And as David is writing under the leading of the Holy Spirit, he's talking about the Messiah, the Son of God. And he's saying, ask me for the nations and I will give them to you as an inheritance. This is the Father talking to the Son God is talking to Jesus. Ask me for the nations, and I will give them to you as an inheritance. And the ends of the world as a possession. What does that mean? So as you're praying here, understand God knows your personal needs, but understand what God wants to give his son. I'm not saying put your stuff on the back burner, but put God's stuff first. When you pray here in just a second, you take a territory that the Holy Spirit is going to show you in your mind. And you take a region and you ask God to give it to Jesus. Even if it's your own address. Hello, somebody. 
even if it's your own address or your workplace. You take and you say, Jesus, I want you to have this location. Father, will you give your son Jesus this territory? Will you give him this region? Because your word says, through the mouth of King David, ask, and I will give the nations as your inheritance, and the ends of the earth your possession. Jesus needs to own all the earth. Right now, Satan got a, a bit of it under his control. Because remember what Jesus called him, the prince of this world. So we want to take his territory from him. We want to take it from him in Jesus' name. And we want the Father to give it to the Son so that it can become a harvest that you can go and work in. Is that all right? Yeah. Now some of you are going, oof, <laughs> that's big shoes. He's a big God. It's a big Lord. It's a big King. Let's pray. Father, you're so awesome in all of your ways. Lord Jesus, you deserve it all. For what you did on that cross to redeem us, Lord, if we can give you the entire universe, we should. Right now, the earth is all we got. Our location is all we have. Father, we want to give that to you. We want you to give it to your son, Jesus. We're asking that you uproot the enemy out of it. Send your holy angels to pine those demons that's been holding these areas captive. And loose the power of your Holy Spirit in those areas as your children are praying for right now. You see it. You see the map. You see the locations. You got your GPS on it, Lord. And we're asking you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, plant your blood in these locations. Wash them, purge them, clean them. Plant your name there. Plant your children there. Place your angels as God, as, as your words say, watchers in these new areas in which your children now, Father, are asking you to give to your son, Jesus. And Father, and then bring forth your workers to work this new harvest. And out of that, Lord, you gain your new sons and your new daughters as your kingdom expands. Lord, to be so, Father, right now in the name of Jesus. We loose, we ask divine every demon in high spring, every stronghold to uproot it, Lord. Around the Forest Grove area, around Witnesses of Christ, First Baptist, Mount Karma, Shiloh Baptist out in towards Fort White, Trenton, Malachua. Loose these territories, Lord, by those demons. Uproot them and send them into the abyss. Now, Father, place your watchers, your holy angels, as the Holy Spirit go and touch every person for salvation. 
And Lord, send your workers, workers that are bold and courageous, Lord, and full of courage to carry your gospel to these people. And then, Lord Jesus, receive them into your loving arms. And Lord, if any of your children are sick, touch them, Lord, and heal them. Let signs and wonders follow them right now, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 I almost picked up your purse. I didn't realize how close I swung my hand and it went on it. And y'all really would have laughed. I'm a pastor walking around with a, with a purse in his hand. Okay. But anyway, and so, Emma, let, let me bring this up. You wasn't shaking it. You let it go to sleep on you. Because I was cutting the, the, the whatever, the turkey. Mm -hmm. Being greedy, filling your belly. Just like Miss Nelson. Oh, oh, that didn't come out. Miss Nelson's not good. Okay, so he's now saying over here, uh, no American standards. Somebody here like that one? Raise your hand. Is that you in the middle? Okay. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. There's uh, the people back in Jerusalem, back in. Israel are having a hard time and Paul wants to go and gather some funds and he's asked each, chair, each church region to appoint someone to go and collect funds so that the folks back in Jerusalem can have some help. Every now and then we have to extend help to our brothers and sisters in Christ abroad or in a neighboring town or neighboring community, excuse me, or even in our own backyard sometime, we have to extend that help, amen? And that's what you're seeing. And that's part of growing up, is knowing to take care of the people, okay? Then it says on verse two, it says, on the first day of every week, talking about Sunday, each one of you is to put aside and save, okay? Take a little bit. Take a little bit, your churches and current, your church members, take and set aside a little bit what you what you have and uh, keep that, don't bother. And uh, the next step of that is what? Looking at your Bible, Miss Vicki? The next step of that, set aside some sum of money and keep it with this income, save it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made, in other words, it's a done deal. The money has already been saved. It's already been collected, already in a depository somewhere waiting. And so when he arrives, don't have to waste time searching out financial matters, but doing spiritual matters, okay? Because he, he realizes priorities. Money is not the priority. Jesus is, and God the Father. So, verse 3. When I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with the letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem. Did you see that? The capital of the church needs your help. The capital of the church needs your help. And you, the saints, have the ability to help. Everybody can give a little bit. Okay? So let's take care of brothers and sisters back in Jerusalem. Let's make that happen. And if it is fitting for me to go also, then they will go with me. 
So Paul said, if I have to escort or take the money myself back to Jerusalem. Now, if you think about, um, do your hands like this. Kind of make, make that kind of shape with your hand. Over to your left would be current, right there where your thumb is. All right? Back over here would be Jerusalem. Okay? In the middle is what? Anybody know? Anybody know what's in the middle? The Mediterranean Sea. So they got to go across the sea to take the money to Jerusalem. It's a fine way to look at it up here. Okay, when you look up to the northern part, that's Turkey. Modern day Galatia. I mean, old day of Galatia. If you travel on around, you go to Ephesus and all those places, the seven churches listed in Revelation. And then you come on down to uh, places like Philippi and Colossae and all. Macedonia, come on down into uh, Corinth and Acacia. All right? And on down into Rome. So, yeah. But it shows the map. It only showing you one part. But if you do this, you see the land over here. Mediterranean is in the middle here. Yeah. And it come right on down, you see those other areas. So it's a fine way to look at it. You know, you didn't think you had a map on your hand. God is good, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> okay. One way to look at it. So uh, as you're doing this, look at that. Uh, look at verse 5. And after I go through Macedonia, okay, again, that's on, uh, that's on the Greek side, isn't it? Macedonia? That's, that's Greece. It's just another name saying for Greece. Right? And you know biblical geography? Just, just another way of saying Greek. So he's going to go through Macedonia. Uh, I will come to you for I, I will be going through Macedonia. So he's telling the church in current, because remember church in current is, is Greek. All right? It's not Jewish. It's Greek. They're Greek speakers. Current was part of the Greece territory. So it's Greece. So you know, put all these names together. Current, Macedonia, Greece. Huh. One and the same. All in that same area. So, verse 6, And perhaps I will stay with you or even spend winter so that you may send me on my way uh, wherever I may go. Send me on my way is another way of saying, Miss Linda, you also help pay my way. Because, let's face it, the man of God needs help. And he's out there planting churches on the behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, got you looking at your Bible map, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Once you get it in your head, I mean, it's really there. Just like this is Israel. Mount Carmel sticks out. Mediterranean, this is northern part. Galilee is over here. Jerusalem over the knuckle coming down. Bethlehem is over on this side. And this would be the Jordan River. And over here, you got Jordan. Up here, you have the Golan Heights. Okay? Eh, pretty easy. Up to the north, you have Lebanon or Mount Hermon, the tallest mountain in, in Lebanon, known as the Lebanon Range. Am I right? Mm-hmm. And so, you can learn biblical geography just by looking at your hands. All right. So, Mr. Bill, somebody want to come and spend the winter with you? Great man of God, good way to learn, set on the apostles' training. Yes? And you can't believe, boy, I'm sitting across the room from the Apostle Paul? Wow! Uh, two weeks ago in Fort White, something crazy happened to me. You, you were standing on the other side of the street, and were you standing on my side when the woman came up and said, 
And you told her this is fast. No, that was Kim. Kim, I think, was on my side. And you was on the other side, maybe. You remember when that woman approached me? And she said, are you the famous Pastor Sammy? No, I don't. And I'm going, <laughs> <laughs> obviously you got me confused with somebody else talking about famous part. But I mean, this lady was ecstatic. Then she actually went back. She said, stay right here. I was like, I'm going somewhere. I'm passing out eggs. She goes back and get her husband and bring him back. And I'm standing there looking dumbfounded like this woman think I'm a celebrity? And she said, honey, that's Pastor Sammy. And this guy said, I want to shake your hand. I'm going, Jesus. <laughs> I do not have celebrity status. What's going on here? <laughs> and so... Things like that kind of blow your mind, right? What does that have to do with Bible study? Nothing. All right. Verse 7. I do not want to see you. Can you put verse 7 to the top, Emma? 703. Can y'all stay with me just a few more minutes? If I do not wish to see you now just in passing, although I want to spend some time with you, for I hope to remain with you for some time, if the Lord permits, but I will remain in Ephesus until when? So where was this letter written from? Ephesus. Where was this letter written from? Ephesus. Ephesus. He just told you. If you were in a Bible class, one of the, uh, what we call introductory matters we would look for, is where were the writer when he wrote the letter? Okay, and we're talking about the New Testament, Old Testament, we, we just don't know the answers. But that is one of the introduction matters. That's the confirmation that Paul wrote this letter from Ephesus. Okay? And you know, Ephesus is a very powerful church. Birthed out of hell. I kid you not. Yeah. I, and I meant that literally, and I want the children to hear that because they need to know the truth. And that's another story. Now, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. All right, well, what do you just tell them? That's a mouthful that you need to know about. Uh, the Holy Spirit just did what, Miss Linda, with Paul? Saved him. Uh, no, 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 no. He's been saved some time. What's, what's happening right here? Look at that statement. What, 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 what just happened there? What did he just tell the people in current? He at the church. by the devil. Um, before that, in that same context, look at it closely. What did he just tell them? I'm coming to spend some time with you. Ah, drop down a little bit more. Permits. Come on. I'll stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. Read on. Because a great door has oh! opened for me. What did that mean? What does that mean? People are getting saved. People are getting saved in the devil's territory. And the devil didn't like it. Didn't I tell y'all that the church birthed out of hell? He just gave you a little clue about it. He said, I'm getting some trouble. I'm getting some heat here. But boy, is it worth it. Okay? To do ministry doesn't mean things are going to be easy for you. People are going to oppose you. Okay? Even folks sit down from Jerusalem came down starting trouble, even in Ephesus. So... He, he just told her, Bible clues. Look for those little clues. Okay? And there are many who oppose me. If Timothy comes, see to it that he has what? 
If Timothy comes to where? To Ephesus or to Corinth? Okay, we're tracking. If Timothy comes to Corinth, see that what? He has what? Nothing to what? Nothing to fear. What did he what did he just say to this church about Timothy? What did he just tell them he wanted them to do? Take care of him. Take care of him. Not just providing. He said, you get his back. You cover his back. Can I say something? Yes. When we went to Honduras, there were seven of us. We went to a church to minister, to schools to minister. They gave us people everywhere we went that surrounded us. That's the number one homicide capital in the world. Mm -hmm. We were not to fear. The Holy Spirit took care of us. That's God right. Invited these people everywhere we went. So when, when others were looking that might harm us, they were seeing a, a Spanish person, a Honduran, versus... Just an American. Yeah. Right. And so they had your back. They took yeah. care of you. They had our front. So that you would have... Well, <laughs> the back means they have the whole person. It's just a saying. Um, that, that is very relevant. Yes. Applicable. It's, it's important that we have each other backs. That you're not walking this walk by yourself. Okay? We need to be there for each other, even if it's a stranger in Christ. A person comes from another country to do the work of Christ. We need to make sure we're taking care of that person and not be suspicious like most Americans are like, hmm, what's she doing here? Or what's she doing here? Just here to get some money. Oh, why is that person traveling, that old tent preacher? He just want these people money. Really? You better watch your tongue and pray and say, Holy Ghost, uh, is this really your son or daughter? And if so, how can I be a help? How can I be a blessing for the kingdom so that the kingdom work can go forward through this person? Because, you know, folks will run to strangers quicker than they would everyday church has been in the community. Hello. Because that means somebody needs to be touched by God. Amen? And so... Don't be so quick to judge, but jump in there and say, okay, I'm not going to let anything happen to this person, Lord. Y'all heard the story about, I forget what country it was, folks in the church, and all of a sudden the church, big knock on the door, these guys ran in with guns. Did you hear that one? What happened then? Is that all of you, they're coming to kill, we're coming to kill the all the Christians, right? Christians. All the non-Christians did what? They ran. And then the guys with the guns put the guns down and said, now we can have church. Now that we got the devil out of here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how true the story is, but this is a true story. Anyway, I read a lot. Uh, so when Timothy comes, see that he has nothing to fear while he's, he, he's with you, for he's caring on the work of the Lord just as I am. So Paul said, you give this brother the same kind of blessing that you would give me because he's doing the work of the Lord. Y'all got that? Stop opposing men and women with God because they come from a different place. Stop opposing them because they come from cross town. 
to your neighborhood and start doing what you wouldn't do. What you can do is jump in and help out. Because that's what the body of Christ is supposed to be. A universal body working together, not separate, not against each other. Because Christ is not divided. Which, by the way, he said that in the beginning of the chapter, didn't he? This book. He said, Christ is not divided. And uh, so let no one despise him. Let no one despise him. If you see somebody getting in a brother or sister's face, you go and stop it. Say, hey, that's enough. Back off. Okay? Back off. I remember at a certain church here, I had to go to the senior pastor and tell him. I said, I'm going to tell you this. You may fire me. This isn't yours. But I want you to know this right now. You let another one of them guys get in my face, and we're all going to know it. So just because I'm one of the pastors don't mean I have to kiss anybody's butt and have to put up with their garbage. And nobody's going to get in my face and tell me what I should have done because they want their child, their children act up, and you're going to pose me publicly in front of everybody like I'm not a man, like I'm not a child of God? You know what that senior pastor said? He called me an old term that I used to go by. He said, first sergeant, handle your business. I said, oh, I will. He said, I'm with you. I said, okay, I just want to let you know I had enough. Because I'm not going to go out and deliberately hurt someone, physically or spiritually. My job is to build people up. And I don't like people in my face. Just like you wouldn't like me in your face like this close, huffing and puffing and telling you. And I'm not going to have you all in another sink face if I can help it. I'm coming to tell you, look, back down. And I'm not afraid to get between you and another sink. I, I'm not. I was an MP for 20 years. I'm just going to straight up and tell you, I'm not afraid to say, hey, you're going too far. And that woman I've been married to for over 30 years to tell you, he can get crazy. <laughs> Like the kids said today, you don't know me. Keep the baby back down, though. <laughs> so the Holy Ghost has to say, down, boy. Down, boy. It's okay, Lord. Humble me again. Because <laughs> I don't like people picking on y'all. Yeah. You belong to Jesus. And I tell y'all, go to bat for you in a heartbeat. You belong to Jesus. You're my sisters. You're my brothers. I'm not going to have people running over you. Not if I can help it. And that's what Paul just said. See that no one despises him. You take up for the people of God. You don't be the problem. You be the solution. Okay? But send him on his way in peace so that he may come to me, for I am expecting him with the brethren. But concerning Apollos, our brother, I encourage him greatly to come to you with the brethren, and it was not at all his desire to come now, but he will come when he has opportunity. Yeah, Sometimes we got things going on, and we may not go right then, but we're going. Sometimes other things come up, and that was the case with Apollos. He wasn't being mean. He wasn't being, uh, let's see, Rebelling, he was 
committed. And he didn't say no. He just said not now. Because when sometimes when the Holy Ghost got you doing things, sometimes you have to tell people, not now. And I haven't forgotten about Thursday morning. <laughs> so, verse 13, but be on the alert, stand firm in the faith. And then what he says next, what did he say next? Act like men. men. Be strong. Grow up. Remember when I told y'all you had the infant current church? And now it's time to be the what? The adult current church. And it's time that we progress from being the infant church of Jesus Christ in High Springs, Lodgeville, Fort, Fort White, Trenton, wherever, to being the mature adult church. Amen? To grow. And sometimes that requires a little pain here and there. Okay? Some folks going to get feelings hurt. Some folks going to get their toes smashed. Some folks going to get smacked upside the head. Sometimes you may get knocked out. Somebody pour some water and you wake you up. But you'll be all right. Okay? It happens. Thank you, Emma. But the most important part of it, he puts in verse 14. And this is the part, as a pastor tell you, don't neglect it. Do all things in what? Love. 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 You can get in a brother and sister's face and you can hug them tightly with passion and compassion. They're different, but go together. And you can tell them their faults, but don't destroy them. You can tell them that they're wrong. God wants you to. Jesus wants you to tell one another when you're wrong. Because otherwise, how are you going to grow? And he wants you to say sin is sin. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't make it sound good and don't make it smell good because doo-doo is still okay, little. <laughs> it still stinks. <laughs> that just took what you, didn't it? <laughs> so do it in love. Okay? And the love he's referring to here better be your love. Not the love you grew up with, but the love Jesus gave you. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. But did he stop there? No. No. What else did he say? Just as I have loved you, you're to love one another. 
Uh-oh, that changes the equation then. <laughs> His kind of love requires you not to walk away and not to ever speak again. His kind of love requires you to stay there and get it right and to forgive. Because the portions of the Lord's prayer was to do what? Forgive. Forgive as your Father in heaven have forgiven who? And if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father where? In heaven forgive you your trespasses. That means you're going to hell. Because you're harboring hatred instead of love. Very powerful state. Very applicable at this time in the church in Corinth because he just wrote them a very long letter. So he's summing it up. This part of all the teachings, don't forget to love each other. Because you're going to have to make some changes. And some of these changes are not going to be pleasant. But you can't forget the love part. You can't. That's why I told you all, we're going to grow as a family. We're going to go places in the Lord. We're going places right now. They're going to be growing pains. But we got to love each other. We got to love each other. Now, I urge you, brother, you know the household of Stephenus, and now he's doing what we call, what is this called? In the beginning of in, in greeting someone, you call it a salutation. And in the goodbye, you call it a more formal way, a bene benediction. He's now saying goodbye for now. Okay? In the Bible, he, he writes in Romans, he says, give honor to whom honor is due. Now he's doing that in this letter. Now I urge you, brother, know the household of Stephenus, that they were the first fruits of, of Akisha. In other words, they were the what? First saints. First born again believers. First Christians. First one saved. Don't forget them. Okay? Remember them. And that they have devoted themselves for ministry to who? To the saints. They committed their lives to helping God's children. They want to make sure that everything they have is for God's children, for those who are in Christ Jesus, so that the name of Jesus will be magnified not only among his own children, but among the Gentiles. In this sense, Gentile means unbelievers. Okay? When we take care of each other, the world pays attention. And it also more so pays attention when we don't take care of each other. Because the news media love it when we're at each other. And boy, that really brings a headline. <laughs> Famous Baptist preacher did, and the congregation came back and did. But the devil loved that. So they could throw in their face and say, look what those so-called Christians are doing. And the Muslim world goes crazy. 
We got to destroy all of them. Um, so in verse 16, that you also be in subjection to such men and to everyone who helps in the work and labor. The word subject here means that Emma comes alongside me. That means you come alongside me. That means you come alongside me. And every other saint come alongside each other. And whatever is fitting for the Lord will agree to do it. Together. Because we are co-laborers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about. It's not a one-man show, a one-woman show, or a handful show. It's everybody's show in Christ Jesus. So we all got to be laboring together. Remember how excited you were about that building? And we did look in it. And we got a decision to make this Sunday. Work together. Not against each other. Work together. And when we work together, God dispatches angels as the Holy Spirit direct their path to help us. And by the way, if you don't believe that, go to first go go to uh, Hebrews chapter one verses thirteen and fourteen. See what he says about it. Why angels are here? He say to serve those who inherit salvation. They're here to serve us, to help us, to assist us in the work of ministry. And then, Emma, shake, shake, shake. I rejoice over the coming of Stephenus and Fortunatus and Achichus, that'll tell your tongue, because they have supplied what was lacking on your part, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours, therefore acknowledge such men. Sometimes you do have those believers that seem to give a little bit more than others, okay? To make sure that the people of God are taken care of and that the ministry goes forward. So you have saints who do that. Who we call going that extra mile, going that extra step, okay? That's what these brothers were doing. They were going the extra mile to make sure the ministry and God's servants are being taken care of. We don't want to forget people like that. And then the churches, notice how he said, the churches of where? Of Asia. What do you think he was talking about? Anybody know? You got it. He was speaking of Turkey. And what do you see those churches listed at? How about Revelation chapter 2 and 3? There are some of those churches. Because there were little ones that Paul planted here and there on that same side. So he said, these churches know you all. They greet you. They know about you, Kurt. You're not hanging out there by yourself. 
Aquila and Priscilla, that's the husband and wife team. You know, we're, we're, I'll be preaching on them later on in the gospel, I mean, in the book of Acts. Um, so Aquila and Priscilla greet you, how? Heartedly in the Lord, with the church that is in there, what? Look at the text. Where were Aquila and Priscilla holding church at? Where is it again? Why do we oppose house churches then? These brothers and sisters were holding church in, in their house. Folks were getting saved in their house. Folks were being filled with the Holy Ghost in their house and receiving the gifts of the Spirit in their house and out of their house doing the work of the ministry. And no one bothered them. Said, so you can't do that because that's not a church house. Oh, you mean because it don't look like a certain building? <laughs> don't oppose the work of God. Okay? And then, Emma, where are we? The greeting is in my own handwriting, Paul is telling us. Another introductory matters. One, where was it written? That's called place. Who was it written by? Paul. He just told you. He said, I wrote this with my own what? Hand. So there's no doubt, Mr. Mizzic uh, Current, who's writing you. Okay? No doubt. If anyone does not, okay. If anyone does not love the Lord, and you got to get this part as we close out this book. 